Hello, hello. And welcome to the Rotman Podcast, powered by the Entertainment and Media Association. We're your co-hosts, Aaron Tsutsumoto and Ben Castle. Today we're here with Danielle Spence and Chris Jones, assistant directors for Rotman's recruitment and admissions team. They're here to answer many frequently asked questions during their recruitment sessions. We hope that you find it useful. First thing first, could you tell us more about the regions you cover and what exactly the role of the recruitment and admissions team is? Chris, would uh, you be able to take that question first? Yeah, sure. So my name is Chris and I look after the recruitment and admissions for all of Africa, Europe and parts of Canada as well. So everyone on our team takes a responsibility for recruiting students locally and across Canada. I would say, you know, what makes our jobs unique is that I think what's really important is that, you know, we have a regional approach. So for those of you who are living in certain parts of the world, you can be sure that as you go through the admissions process, you're always speaking to one person and that's a consistent uh, voice that you hear, that you speak to. We not only attend recruitment events when it's possible, but we also review applications from our regions and we conduct interviews. And actually, Danielle and I are also responsible for making uh, recommendations for admission to the program. So we like to think it's a bit of a one-stop shop when you come to our admissions team. And it's also our role to connect you with alumni or current students if you have specific questions and you'd like to hear from those who are actually living the experience. Wow, that sounds like a huge job. Uh, Danielle, do you uh, have anything to add to that in terms of your own role? I don't. That's okay. No, it's totally fine if we have the the same job description all around. She does Uh, the same thing. Could you tell us what regions you cover? Sure. So in my role, I cover recruitment and admissions activities for South Asia and the Middle East. I also cover a small area of Canada in addition to that. You've compiled a list of frequently asked questions, so we'll be going through that today. Erin, would you be able to take it from here? Sure. So I guess the first set of questions we'll go through are going to be sort of application considerations and maybe things that happen pre-Rotman. So the first question is, I have a CFA level three. Will writing a GMAT make me more competitive? That's a good question. That's a question that I think all of us get frequently. My initial reaction to this question is we absolutely are not going to offer an exemption and then punish you for taking advantage of said (laughs) exemption. So we do accept CFA level three because we count it towards admissions decisions as a very strong GMAT or very strong GRE. So the CFA three is valued just as much as strong competitive scores in either of the standardized tests we accept otherwise. For students who do have a GMAT that they're particularly proud of, they're certainly welcome to submit that GMAT in addition to the CFA-3 and or the GRE in addition to the CFA-3, but they absolutely are not obligated to do that. And I would never recommend someone who already has CFA-3 to then use the time and resources to take a GMAT or a GRE. Very cool. Um, would you be able to also tell us a, a little bit about, you know, if scholarship decisions are based on GMAT scores? This is a question that we we had a lot as well. It's gonna that's gonna be the theme today. But the GMAT goes into assessing a student's overall profile and how competitive they are and what contributions they're going to make to the Rotman community when they're here. But then also after they've graduated as an alumni of the school. 
Whilst a GMAT is an important element of your application, we don't use the GMAT in any way to necessarily exclude people from the program. It's used as a tool for us to ensure that you have the aptitude and the strategic abilities to perform well in the program. A big part of our assessment is ensuring that you are going to be able to successfully complete all of the coursework in a very academically rigorous program, so the GMAT helps us with this decision-making process. In terms of the scholarship itself, we use a scorecard internally at Rotman that helps inform decisions on whether someone's admissible to the program. And then if they are admissible, that scorecard again informs some of our decisions about a scholarship range. So I would always say the stronger the application all around, the more likely you are to get a scholarship. A higher GMAT is obviously going to strengthen any application in and of itself, but a high GMAT does not necessarily mean you're going to receive a bigger scholarship offer than a fellow student who may have a lower GMAT, but a more competitive profile holistically. Interesting. I'm really thankful for the holistic approach because otherwise, <laughs> I don't know if I'd be sitting here right now. I'm right there with you. <laughs> so this question will be for Chris. Outside of entrance scholarships, what other types of funding are available? Would you use a loan company, for example? Okay, so for international students, yes, there are other uh, financing options that are available to you. Rotman itself or the admissions team the only funding that we provide is through entrance scholarships, and those, as Danielle mentioned, are merit-based rather than based on financial need. So strength of your application is very important in getting any funding through the admissions process. Beyond that, you are going to have to look at, you know, yes, do you have, what sort of savings do you have, and are there loan options in banks locally that could be competitive in your own country? Most of our international students utilize uh, two loan companies that we have kind of have a partnership with or that we recommend. Those are called Empower and Prodigy Finance. Those are dedicated student loan organizations that help fund many of our students' uh, MBA programs for them. They often have very competitive interest rates and I believe some of them as well don't even ask you to even pay interest until after you graduate. So I would absolutely be encouraging you to look into those options in addition to scholarships, because obviously I think for most students uh, doing an MBA in Canada and certainly across North America, it's going to be a blend of scholarships, your own savings and utilizing loan options. Interesting. So this one is actually uh, directed towards Danielle. And uh, for those who maybe are not as familiar with Ontario, do I need to speak French if I'm going to apply to Rotman? And you know, would it make me more competitive if I did? So Canada is officially a bilingual country with English and French being those two languages. Ontario itself would be described as an Anglophone province. So whilst having French is absolutely excellent to have and will make you competitive in, or more competitive rather in a lot of different industries, I would never recommend that a student enroll in a crash course in French prior to matriculating at Rotman. There's a lot to prepare for prior to coming to Rotman. Taking on the challenge of a new language probably wouldn't be the best use of time or resources. If a person has a really strong interest in a government role, then they may want to consider that French. There are a few specific industries where 
the bilingualism will serve you very well and where you will hit a ceiling without the French. However, for the more common roles that our students are going into and the industries that seem to be the most popular amongst our graduates, French is generally not a requirement for these types of roles, although it is always excellent to have. And I can say from experience, you know, going into less of a traditional Rotman path that I have not needed any French at all for uh, my education or my internship. So it's really not a requirement. I definitely have said to students, especially in my portfolio, you're far more likely to run into someone who speaks Hindi on the streets of Toronto (laughs) because it's such a great multicultural city. French is definitely there. It's part of the fabric of our country, but there isn't that requirement for employment opportunities in the province of Ontario, at least. Perfect. Okay. So last one for this section. Do I need to have a clear career plan going into the MBA? Will my application be viewed negatively if I don't have a clear plan? So it's a great question. So the answer is no, you don't need a clear career plan. I think we always recommend that applicants have a good idea of what they would like to do when they graduate, whether that's just broadly speaking an industry that they'd like to work in, whether it's are they looking to make a career switch and are they using our rather excellent two-year MBA program to make that career switch. And so therefore, what would they like to be doing ideally when they graduate? And if they're what we call career enhancers, so you want to stay in the same industry or the same type of work, you know, it's still good to have a plan of what would that future state look like for you in the same industry, but with an MBA. It is a question that we will ask in admissions interviews, but we don't necessarily expect you to have a specific answer and it's absolutely not going to be detrimental towards you being successful in getting into our program. But we would encourage you to research, you know, what are popular career paths for MBAs, what are some options that are going to be available to you primarily in Canada, in Toronto, if you're an international student, because this is really outside of returning home, this is where you're going to work because of your visa status. So, you know, are there large companies that are global but don't have operations in Canada, right? Or are there companies that are very popular in Canada, right? And it's always good to do that kind of research as well because, you know, don't make the assumption that a company like Apple, for example, don't have huge operations in Canada. So it's unlikely that that's the kind of company that you're going to find a job in Toronto when you first graduate. So it's good to do that kind of research. That's interesting. So I have another couple questions here. This is actually about the application process itself. And one particular aspect of it that I found to be very interesting and unique to Rotman was the spike factor. So I wanted to ask Danielle to uh, educate our audience as to what a spike factor is and potentially what Rotman is looking for in this spike factor. So spike factor is a term that's special to Rotman. I think a a good starting place is to compare it a little bit to that X factor. It's what makes you unique? What's special about you? What may we not be able to automatically glean from a quick five minute conversation from you that may require digging a little deeper into your profile and your, your history and your life to date? The way we assess spike factors through your spike factor essay within the application. What we're looking for is really any situation, accomplishment, maybe even adversity you've overcome in your life, hobbies that you're passionate about, special talents that you can tell us about in your spike factor essay. These various 
facets of your profile, if they can demonstrate that you have grit, passion, resilience, perseverance, or goal setting, that's even better. That is what we're looking for in Spike Factor. So we've had a lot of really remarkable candidates come through Rotman. Some have won Olympic medals. We're not expecting everyone to have an Olympic medal under their belts coming to Rotman, <laughs> but we have people with really exciting hobbies and accomplishments outside of the great things that they have done with their careers that we can see from their CVs or in academics that we can see from transcripts and GMATs. That said, some people are too busy getting straight A's and earning extra accreditations outside of the workplace and caring for siblings or parents or whatever, or children, whatever it may be. They may not have something that they think is super exciting to speak about in their spike factor. If you feel that you fall into that category where you don't have that one thing that makes you super interesting or unique or spectacular, don't despair. I have read really excellent Spike Factor essays about individuals who have had life-changing experiences that may seem mundane to some, but the way they've told the story in such a compelling way and been able to contextualize and demonstrate how it's had an impact on their lives and their development has been fantastic. And they've been great candidates for the program just by what they've written in that Spike Factor essay and how they've been able to explain the impacts that it has had on them. It's really an interesting and unique part of the uh, Rotman application process, and I have to say it was a lot of fun to fill that out myself. <laughs> I remember your Spike Factor essay. Do you really? I do, yes. Wow, that's so funny. Yeah, I, after hearing you actually uh, say what you were looking for, I have to say I think I took a slightly different approach. But <laughs> <laughs> I remember it, and you're here now, so it worked. I, I still managed oh, to get in. That's interesting. Now I'm curious about your own Spike Factor essay. <laughs> I will say that was my favorite essay to write when I was applying for the MBA program, so it was really fun. And just to follow up there, how would you describe the culture at Rotman given all the different spike factors that come through the doors here? Yeah, I'm glad that you addressed the different spike factors. That helps me in answering the question. The culture at Rotman is very collaborative. That has a lot to do with how the program itself is structured but it also has a lot to do with the diversity of our classrooms. So we have students coming to us from all over the world. They have very different backgrounds in terms of academics, the industries that they're coming from, their life experiences to date. So it's difficult to pinpoint an exact culture. A benefit of the Rotman program is that it is a two-year MBA program. So as I'm sure hopefully a lot of the listeners are aware of, we do have an opportunity for students to specialize. That specialization is going to have a microcosmic impact on the culture that uh, you find yourself in when you're at Rotman. So for example, our more competitive types, they may be engaged in specializations like investment banking or consulting. That by dint of the personality types that are attracted to that type of work is going to provide a very different microculture within Rotman than our students who are in sustainability or healthcare, let's say. So people concerned about those horror stories of classmates undercutting them and undermining them, that is not Rotman. I can assure you of that regardless of the subject matter, but those cultures are going to be a little bit different because we have the specializations and because it's a two-year program that gives you those different opportunities. Wow. Yeah. So I guess I just wanted to ask a little bit about the format of classes here at Rotman and 
specifically, I, I guess I can speak to this somewhat myself, but how classes have changed given the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And I'll direct this one to Chris to start it out. Thanks. Well, the best question of the day. Um, <laughs> well, of course, lots have changed and think things are changing on a daily basis at the moment. So very interesting uh, as well as challenging times that we are living in. What's happening for those students who are about to start the program and for obviously for those who are starting their second year, uh, everything between September and January from an academic standpoint will be virtual. So classes will be virtual. Hopefully what we're hoping to happen is that from October uh, through to January, we will start having some in-program opportunities for our students to gather in smaller groups, uh, maybe 10 to 20 people, be able to meet in person with faculty, with their career coaches, opportunities for, for some small networking or uh, student club events. So the idea is we're hoping to, you know, as we get into October, start to integrate our students into some more in-person programming. But academically, because our classroom sizes are around sort of uh, 50 to 70, that has to stay virtual until at least January. But one thing I will say to everyone is, you know, uh, Canada is doing very well currently right now globally. Here in Ontario, we're about to move into a phase three of reopening. So we're keeping our fingers crossed that Canada has done a great job and there'll be uh, hopefully some opportunities for us to open up a bit earlier than perhaps other parts of the, of the world. So it's a great time to be considering Canada as well uh, with everything that's going on. Now, perhaps I could just hand it over to Ben and Aaron, maybe to tell us a little bit about, you know, on a normal, in, in the normal world, you know, what does, uh, you know, what, what do your classes look like? How, how does it work with regards to lectures and studying and uh, those sort of academic activities? Yeah, so I can start off. Typically in first year, we were, the 300 of us were all split into four different sections. And we took all of our core classes in each section, just so we went through, you know, term one with the same classes and the same students in our class. So it gave us a really good opportunity to meet these 70 or so people. And it was a lot of fun to just kind of get to know everyone with respect to the format of the classes. We would typically have class for one course twice a week, and it'd be two hours in each lecture. So, and it would be typically two classes per day. So it's a lot of courses throughout the week. I don't know if you want to add. Yeah, I mean, there. in terms of the structure of the class schedule, I'd say that's exactly my experience. I think that the classes themselves are really well organized and dependent on exactly what type of course you're taking. You know, for instance, you know, some classes will spend a lot more time on the lectures and just sort of walking you through the slides. And if there's just like a lot of ground that you have to cover, other classes are much more collaborative and just completely dependent on or mostly dependent on uh, student interactions and discussions in between uh, the students. For instance, MCV2, which is a, a marketing simulation class I took this spring, that was a really interesting format class because I'd meet once a week with my fellow students and we'd sit around. This was actually, most of the class had been done virtually, but we did one or two of them in person. And we just talked about how we are going to plan this marketing strategy together and looked around at the different opportunities that, to compete with the rest of the class and you know try and incorporate the class teachings into what we're doing um, based off of the reading. But it was much less of a lecture. We had a, uh, a single 
I believe, one-hour lecture uh, every week to go through in addition to that structure. But it was much more you know, dependent on the actual interpersonal learning. Mm-hmm. I'll also add, once you get into the electives that you can choose, there are some that you can choose that are intensive format, and I say that with quotes, because they kind of depend on the time frame. Some are over just two weeks, and some are within maybe two weekends worth of class. But they are really intense just because they're fitting in a lot of content into just a few days. But those are also available once you finish your core courses as well. Yeah. And um, just a quick question before we move on. I mean, how would you describe some of the experiential learning that you've experienced in the first year, particularly like self-development lab? Ooh, that's a good one. (laughs) And we may be doing an episode on this Ah, later. But I will say that from my experience, having you know, worked with the self-development lab and taken, I didn't actually go through the entire program myself, but the couple of classes that I did do, the level of personal attention that you get from the staff is amazing. You know, Maya's just the, one of the most inspiring speakers that I've ever met, honestly, anywhere. And the fact that we have her as part of the team is really cool. But I think that the personal insights that you can get and the level of one-on-one attention and coaching and the application of real psychological you know, principles in your day-to-day life and business is really valuable, especially for people who maybe are not familiar at all with some of these principles. A lot of it is developed right here at Rotman. I think that as someone who did major in psychology myself, I am familiar with some of the things that they're teaching but certainly not all. And I think that it would be of a lot of value to any student, especially people who don't necessarily have perfect social skills, which I think would pretty much be everyone, right? <laughs> yeah, it definitely, I think Rotman especially tends to emphasize a lot of soft skill development building. And that's something I've really valued since coming here. I knew that self-development lab was a thing when I didn't really realize what kind of impact that would have. But after coming here, it's really been super helpful. One of my favorite parts of the program. So we're gonna shift gears back into more of the career-focused questions that were frequently asked. So I'll direct this one to Chris. What kind of career support will I get for internship or post-grad job searches? Is there a placement? How does that work exactly? Yeah, great question. So when you uh, arrive, all students are assigned a career coach. So uh, everybody will have uh, somebody in the career center who they will work with on a one-on-one basis uh, over the course of the two years they're in the program. So the career coach is typically someone who has previously worked in industry as well. So they have good insights into what it's like to be on the other side, particularly from a recruitment standpoint. Career coaches will help you with everything from revamping, you know, your basic documents, resume, cover letters, to helping you prep interviews, prep for job applications, and, you know, sometimes as well connect you with other students or alumni if you're looking to network. In addition to the career coach, we also have uh, the other side of our career center is more of our business development team. So they are committed to working on a daily basis with employers, with large companies that are based in Toronto and and often globally to ensure that they are actively recruiting uh, our students. So when you combine those services together, I think there's a lot of help and guidance for you. We, We totally understand that career outcomes are extremely important when you're doing an MBA. And so uh, our career education program is very robust. 
And I think I said often to students that I've spoken to is, you know, what you put into it, you'll get out of it. I think Rotman will provide you with that kind of 50%, and then you have to put another 50% of the work in to make sure that you can land those great internships or full-time jobs. The difference is, is when you're not at Rotman, you're doing it 100% yourself, and that's the way I like to see it. Our internships are mandatory, so every student has to complete an internship in order to graduate, but it isn't a placement service. It is ultimately the real world still, and you have to apply for jobs, be selected by the company, and the companies will still interview you and select you like they would in the real world. But like I said, if you take a further look at some of our employment stats, you will see that we have a very good record for uh, student placements in internships, uh, as well as full-time employment, certainly three months after graduation. Yeah, no, that's definitely been my experience to getting, I think, assistance from the Career Center was crucial to me getting my internship this summer. And to be honest, I don't think I could have gotten it otherwise. So this one I wanted to direct at Danielle. Do international students stay in Canada to work after graduation? And if so, how easy is it for them to get jobs given that they don't have local work experience? Building a little bit on what Chris just discussed regarding the internship and the Career Services Center here at Rotman, lots of our international students do attend Rotman with the intention to remain in Canada and work after graduating. It actually is something that every potential applicant should be considering is where are they hoping to lay roots and where are they hoping to begin their careers because you really should be in the same city as you're hoping to work post-MBA. So anecdotally, we've heard of graduates from very top schools graduating outside of Toronto, moving back to Canada and finding difficulty in securing jobs because they weren't actively building their network whilst they were enrolled at their MBA because they were off-site in another country completing the coursework. So first and foremost, where do you want to be post-grad should have an impact on where you're going to be during your studies. That said, the vast majority of international students do intend to stay in Canada. With the two-year MBA at Rotman, they are automatically entitled to a three-year work permit. The way immigration works currently in Ontario is that three-year work permit goes towards the numbers of years required in Canada to then be eligible for permanent residency. So it is used as a parlay into the permanent residency here in Canada. The ease at which they find jobs, I don't like to word it in how easy is it to find a job, but there is a lot of success. We have consistently ranked amongst the top schools for employment outcomes post-MBA, especially in that really crucial three months after graduation, our employment rates are very high, and this includes our international students. Bearing in mind that over 50% of our students every year are international, they are clearly performing well because they have a big chunk of of those stats and those outcomes. The industries that they end up going in are as varied as the industries that all of our students come from. But I would say that the vast majority who remain in Canada post-grad are in the greater Toronto area. So there, there are other opportunities within Canada, but the vast majority are within the GTA. For Chris, Indian students with a background outside of consulting and finance want to know specifically what opportunities at Rotman set it apart in terms of its program. Yeah, it's a it's a great question. So I think this is this would be applicable to students from across the world. Is you know people often see an MBA right, and they they see MBA programs as a route into finance and consulting, and you know 
there's there's some truth into that and, and many of our students still graduate and, and move into financial services and consulting in, in its various forms right that's also quite a broad um, section of, of employment but what we're also seeing now is a real growth in other diverse areas so particularly technology so we're now seeing a large number of students interested in working in technology when they graduate and we're starting to see opportunities uh, come up within tech companies. Now again, if you're doing an MBA, you're typically going to be working in the business of technology when you graduate, so product management, uh, maybe sales, marketing, uh, business development, business strategy, you know, within the tech industry. That's where an MBA is going to be. If you've got a technical background, it certainly helps, but this is not necessarily a technical MBA program, right? So that's probably where we're seeing a lot of growth. Also, a lot of opportunities within sort of digital, whether that's in within financial services or retail, e-commerce, um, management and data analytics is huge now and a, a growing area of opportunity for our students, in addition to areas like real estate, uh, healthcare management, and of course, entrepreneurship is, is becoming very, very popular through some of the programming that we have here at Rotman. So pretty much whatever you want to do, we can help you get there. Awesome. Chris and Danielle, thank you so much for coming here and telling us all this information. I think everyone, you know, all these prospective students who are listening will find this really helpful. So besides this podcast, what other resources should these students make sure to check out for more information? So there are a lot of resources available to students and they kind of, there's a broad spectrum of really kind of informal communication out there, like our Instagram page, for example, and then the more formal communications. Something that all prospective students should take advantage of is our online forms where you can note your interest in the program and then you will be added to our mailing list. This will keep you updated on events that we're having, both international, domestic, and of course online, especially right now. But it also will let you know the timings of our upcoming admission cycles and any big developments that are happening at Rotman. It will it will push that information out to you. So it really is an easy way to stay informed. Aside from those resources, the standard ones like our website and of course non-standard ones like these nice podcasts that you can listen to <laughs> and we also have uh, semi-regular webinars as well that really go into the granular elements of submitting an application and, and making yourself competitive and attractive in the process where can you find those webinars those are all listed on the website perfect thanks so much for being on the show danielle and chris we really appreciate it and i hope that our audience got some use out of this interview and now are ready to apply to ramen <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. And that's it for the episode. Thank you for listening to the Rotman Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at EMA underscore Rotman for updates on the latest in the club and all upcoming podcasts. Bye.